0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about a topic called the family love letter. Julie Chadwick, uh, financial planner with Stirk Financial, is here with me today, and we're going to dive into this. It's a unique spin on making sure that you're preparing your family and your estate with a lot of love. And I think it's a really fun topic.
2: Right. It should be interesting. A lot of good topics.
1: (laughs) All right. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Here's the reason that you hear us talking about this quite frequently. Statistics show that 70% of Americans do not have an estate plan in place. And that's a shocking number. I know that we've probably done at least three or four shows about this particular topic over time, but still 70% of you listeners probably haven't taken the time to make sure that your estate plan is in place. And so the reason that we want to do that and, and, and prioritize that when we're talking about things is because your estate plan is really not about dying And it's not about the avoidance of a death tax. Your estate plan is really a legacy for those who are still living. Right. It's to protect the family that's still going on. Right. After you're gone. So, you know, they say a lot of money decisions are made either by greed or love. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think that this one called the family love letter is probably not prompted so much by greed, prompted right. by love. But the the thing about it is that it's connected heavily to your assets. So sometimes people start to think it's more about greed or about things that they don't really want to focus on. But I'm going to challenge your thinking to start looking at your estate planning as an act of love or as a gift that you're giving to the family that you're leaving behind and as such, there are a number of different things that are important to be thinking about as part of that gift. Okay, so you might be wondering why we're calling this the Family Love Letter, and the reason that we're calling it that is because there is a company that actually partnered with an estate planning firm and created a document that's called the family love letter, mm-hmm. and this has a lot of the different things in it that we've talked about, and we're going to kind of go into the different sections of this document. But I do want to say we have about ten copies of this available. So the first ten people that contact our office at StirkFinancialServices.com or give us a call, we'll be able to send you one of these family love letter booklets that you can fill out. But we only have a limited supply of them, so give us a call. Okay, so. Here's the thing. When you lose a family member, it's very traumatic. It's sad.
2: And along with the traumatic and the stress and the loss of a loved one, then you have to deal with the financials, the burial, um, settling estates, all that type of stuff on top of all of that when you're at a moment. You're most vulnerable.
1: Right. So this emotional turmoil and family pain is mixed in with confusion and mixed in with doubt about things and just a real sense of helplessness. And that's why it's so difficult to, to take and step in when there's been a loss. There's a lot of mental fogginess and it's hard to make basic decisions. But the problem is that the things that have to be done after you lose a person aren't basic decisions they're big decisions. And they need to be done pretty quickly, a lot of them. Exactly. So, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, there was a client of ours who had Alzheimer's. And so he had kind of kept all of his stuff and then it started getting really messy. And after he, you know, went into a care facility, then his family started to try to just locate the basic information about his life. And what they told me was they thought they maybe were able to wrap their arms around it, but there was always this lingering doubt about whether or not they had enough of a grasp on it to have figured everything out. So, this lingering doubt usually is accompanied by pieces that slip through the cracks. Right. You just feel like you're missing something. Right. Well, we have probably a hard are. time like figuring out our own stuff, much less somebody else's, right? right? <laughs> so, information in a time of confusion is really what this family love letter is all about. It just makes it easily accessible and making sure nothing gets missed. Exactly. Okay, so the things that belong as the fundamental building blocks of an estate plan usually start with a will. Okay, so part of completing your family love letter is going to be making sure you've completed some of these documents. So a will is basically just going to be the document that disposes of your assets and says who gets what. Okay. Now, many clients just want to have simple wills. We call them I love you wills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you. You get all my stuff. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Plain and simple. Those are fine. Those are absolutely fine. Until you have extenuating circumstances like children or grandchildren. Or if you happen to have someone in your family who maybe isn't so good with money and you don't want to unleash with a bunch of your assets
2: right so there's a lot a lot more in-depth things that you need to think about
1: yes I mean when you think about people who aren't so good with money it might be people who just don't spend well it might be people who have built up a lot of debt but it also might be you know children or grandchildren that have addiction issues and that can be dangerous mm-hmm. when you when they all of a sudden they have access to a lot of money and they have some of those issues so having a will is incredibly important The next thing that people think about doing but oftentimes forget to do is having a personal property disposal list. That's
2: usually the key that um, causes the most issues between family members. Yeah. Because that personal property that you think, oh, nobody wants that, and then you might have children battling for that.
1: Yeah. You know, when my grandma passed away, all of the grandkids got to kind of walk through her apartment and, um, you know, take a look at what was there and decide what they wanted and things like that. And one of my sisters wanted her platinum ring and which was fine. You know, I really didn't care about that. But what I wanted was a nightlight (laughs) (laughs) that was meaningful to me because I used to clean her apartment. And so whenever I cleaned this nightlight, I always thought it was so pretty. So that's the thing that reminded me the most of my grandma. So this nightlight is probably worth like, you know, a dollar and 72 cents. And this ring is probably worth, you know, multiple thousands of dollars. Fortunately, I really didn't care. I just wanted this nightlight. But In most families, that would have been the source of contention that somebody got something or took something of a much greater value than somebody else. Right.
2: So a lot of times when you think, There also might be family heirlooms that maybe the children don't know that they're family heirlooms and they just put it out in an auction thinking it's not a big deal. So it's good to share those things.
1: Yeah. And so having that personal property disposal list, the things that matter the most, making sure you highlight what they are, maybe even tell a little story about them and then who you want them to go to is going to be really important. Right. If you can express your wishes ahead of time like that, it wards off some of the family issues that happen. If the decision's already made, it's just a Yes. Okay. The next thing is having proper beneficiary designations. So this is one of the most common mistakes in estate planning is naming the wrong beneficiaries on life insurance and retirement funds. Matter of fact, I recently heard a story about a person whose aunt had passed away. She was in her 50s and she had taken out a life insurance policy over 25 years ago. And she named her parents as the beneficiaries. She named her parents. Now think about that. She was in her 50s and her parents would have been in their 80s. The only problem with this was she had named her dad and he actually passed away many years ago. And so the family, when they uncovered this insurance policy was there and that the beneficiary was actually somebody who'd passed away, literally had to go through a lot of rigmarole to get death certificates to prove who the money should go to next. And, you know, it, it takes time and it can be expensive. And so it could all be solved with just making sure that you update your beneficiary designations once in a while. Right. A lot of times divorces come into play. Have you, you know, thought about, oh, did I take my
2: ex-spouse off of my beneficiary and add my new spouse or just change it to my children? Those are sometimes we've run into that as well. Yes. <laughs> And trust me, that can cause a major
1: issue. Your current spouse will not like it if you left money to your ex-spouse. <laughs> That's something you want to look at. That will not be a time of confusion after you're gone. That will be time of anger. <laughs> <laughs> that is easily solved. So um, I was, um, I, I have a, a gentleman that I've, you know, been dating for quite a few years and When I, of course, you know, got my nose into his financial planning as good financial planner (laughs) as well. (laughs) I was looking at his beneficiary designations and, you know, my assumption was everything would go to his son. But what he had done was still had his ex-wife on there thinking that his ex-wife would use that money to take care of his son. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not the best way to do that because you can't control what she does with that money. And that, I mean, it had nothing to do with me personally it had to do with who's going to be the best steward of that money for his son and going to use it solely for his son's benefit. Right. So you might have good intentions with your thoughts of doing that, but there might be a better solution.
0: Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Sturk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for five years running.
1: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sterk and today we're talking about the Family Love Letter and how to avoid additional emotional trauma and confusion when there's a loss and it being one of the best gifts that you can give to your family. So we've talked a little bit about some of the things you can do to make sure your estate planning is in place. I want to touch on a couple more things before I dive into some of the meat of the Family Love Letter. And one of the things that we highly recommend is that you have two different power of attorney forms on file, a medical power of attorney and a general or a financial power of attorney. Right. A lot of times people think that they have them on file or they, yep, we've done that and it might be one and not the other. They might be outdated, so it's good to check those out. Now, some people think that if they have a living will, they've already taken care of the medical power of attorney. And while a living will is a declaration maybe to use or not to use life sustaining measures, a medical power of attorney is designed to grant someone the power to make medical decisions upon you if you are incapacitated. So it's much broader than just what the living will is. Right. It's going to help them give
2: um, instructions to the doctors as far as. What- what your wishes truly are.
1: Right. Now the financial power of attorney, also sometimes called a durable or a general power of attorney, basically lets people make decisions for you if you're not able to related to the other things in your life that are non-medical, like your financial and things like that. So it's a short document and most often it's not applicable Nobody can do anything with it until you're not capable of taking care of your own affairs. Right, and you can make it so that's the
2: case. So if you get a medical or financial power of attorney, it doesn't have to go into effect right away. Mm-hmm. It's only if you're incapacitated or unable to handle your own finances.
1: Exactly. Now, one of the things that we also see as becoming more popular is something that's called an ethical will. And an ethical will is not actually like a formal legal document. An ethical will is is really something that are written instructions or written thoughts by someone that is designed to share their wisdom and their values with the next generation. So sometimes they're called windows into the soul of those who write them. (laughs) So if you want to pass some information down, if you want to tell people what was important to you, your ethical will is a place that you can do that.
2: Right. And a lot of people appreciate those. And it's something that the family will really cherish because it kind of just shares a little bit more of you.
1: Right. Now, the, the thing to remember about all of this, you know, we keep talking about all these different things that you should do. You have to remember that estate planning is a process and not a conclusion. Okay. Right. The conclusion begins when you have died like this, none of this matters until you're incapacitated or you're dead. So this is why people really don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it. But it's those points in time that create the most trauma and confusion for those that you love. So that's why this family love letter is so important.
2: My mother's a great example. She said, I don't want to think about those things when I was kind of pushing her and tell her we need to get these things in line, the personal property list, you know, get these things figured out right now Why she's good and, you know, mm-hmm. in her own mind state. She said, I don't want to do it. It's so morbid. And I said, that's exactly why you want to do it. I said, do you want to create problems after you're gone? And she said, absolutely not. I want to keep my family together.
1: Mm-hmm. I said, okay,
2: well, you can't control that from the grave as much as you think you can.
1: <laughs> so let's do it now. You really can't very much at all. No. <laughs> And the the sad truth of it is money does funny things to people. Absolutely. It does. When there's money on the table, it oftentimes, unfortunately, will change the way people act or behave or relate to other people. And so one of the things that becomes difficult when you're doing estate planning is thinking about it in these terms. What's fair is not always equal. And what's equal is not always fair. So most families have circumstances where parents have helped out one kid more than another kid or maybe there's been a kid that's helped on the family farm and the other kid's scattered, you know. So it, it might not be so easy to just say everything splits equally, you know, as you're going through it. You have to define what you think is fair or equal and then you're probably going to want to have some level of communication or information out there that explains to your family why you did what you did.
2: Right. If you, a lot of times it's good to have a family meeting if possible mm-hmm. to share what your wishes are. So kind
1: of air the laundry at that point. So in the Family Love Letter booklet, there is some space to write down some of these thoughts in your ethical will that we've been talking about, but then it gets into the meat of what's important for you to share, to clear up confusion, and to help those that you love when you are no longer here to do it yourself. So the first thing that is here is what are and who are the advisors that your family should turn to In their time of need. So, those advisors are going to be people like your CPA or your accountant, your attorney, your financial advisor, if you have a business attorney, um, or if you have an employer who you're still connected to. Also, you're gonna wanna think about who's the company that has your mortgage, who's your insurance agent for like your home or your car insurance, who's your banker and your doctor. (laughs) Those are some primary ones, definitely. Yes, exactly. So when you're thinking about these people and making sure you communicate who they are, it's going to make it so much easier for your family when they have to start contacting people to know who these people are and have it all in one nice place.
2: And then providing them the information, which what you have with each person. So like what accounts do you have with that banker? What accounts do you have with your financial advisor. Those are things to share too.
1: Yeah. So when it comes to your finances, this is one of the things that that, um, we find, I think, to be very helpful when you're going through this process is You probably have an investment strategy. You have something that you've probably, hopefully, (laughs) put some thought into and that you have set things up in a certain way. So, being able to communicate what that strategy was to your family so they know why you set things up the way you did is also going to be very helpful. So, explaining a little bit about what your investment strategy has been and why it's that way, and then also taking a look at how you've titled your assets, okay? So titling of assets speaks to ownership, but it also speaks to what happens when you're gone with that ownership. To be able to pass them
2: on in the most simplest way, if you have a surviving spouse or if there's other family members that you want to pass it on to, saving on taxes, those are all things that are going to come into effect.
1: Yep, exactly. Okay, so another thing that is a big issue for people, especially if you have passed away after you've retired, is have you already started taking your Social Security? And if so, what do they need to do about that? Right. Now, sometimes you find, too, that there's a married couple, but the children, the adult children are helping the surviving spouse. And so having some records of what's happening with Social Security, what your benefits are and things like that are going to help your adult child help your surviving spouse do the right thing with social security and make decisions without getting into a jam and having to pay a bunch of it back.
2: Right. You don't want to make the wrong decision when it comes to social security.
1: You definitely don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then another thing is when it comes to your finances is just having records of where everything is. Now some people have all of their accounts consolidated in one financial advisor's office. That's how a lot of our clients are. And so um, instead of listing out all of their accounts, they'll simply put something that says, just contact Sterk Financial. They have all of my investments. And that can make it very simple.
2: Right, because your financial advisor in their office, they're going to know exactly what needs to be done to process name changes, beneficiary changes, changing of accounts to the spouse. So all yep. those things can take that right off your plate by contacting the advisor
1: exactly and the if you have multiple accounts scattered around though or if you have multiple financial advisors then you really do want to take the time to go through and list out what are the different holdings that you have and what exactly do you expect to have done with them okay Another thing that's really important to list out are your insurance packages and specifically your life insurance. So we had a situation where a gentleman was no longer able to handle his own affairs and his adult children came in and started taking things over and they ended up terminating um, his bank accounts and moving them to a bank that they were able to have more access and control with. And what they didn't know is that when they terminated his bank account, they also terminated an automatic annual premium payment of a life insurance policy that he'd held for years. It only happened once a year and it didn't happen during any of the statement dates they were looking at and so they closed the account which inadvertently terminated the life insurance policy and then they found out after he died literally a year later that they accidentally had canceled it by changing the bank account. Right. So it's things like that that you can, um, you can avoid if you take time to do this now this family love letter also includes lots of other great things like what do you want to happen at your funeral what do you want your obituary to say things like that so there's a beautiful amount of information in here that you can share what matters most to you with your family and that's why we call it the family love letter so we hope this has been good valuable information to you as you go through your estate planning And thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Asturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice you should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Stirk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors List includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data. Rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The word is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.